passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your post-daily news show for Friday, July the 15th. It is the season finale of the post-daily news show. Yeah, that's right. Season finale, um, awaiting awaiting uh, renewal, perhaps. You know, we shall see. We'll, you shall, we shall come back in the, in the new season. So Yes, or yes. When- We're going to be nego- negotiating our media rights deal over the, uh, over the rest of the summer. Uh, we'll see if the, the post-wrestling stock price uh, goes through the roof based on anticipation. Um, how, how hot is wrestling uh, YouTube programming right now? Where is the uh, – what, what kind of uh, – Oibda, are we projecting for the end of the year? What are our key performance indicators suggesting when it comes to the post wrestling cafe, YouTube subscribers, uh, all, all of things of that nature? Uh, take it over, Nick. All that stuff. Yes, absolutely. I think you're the Nick Khan of this operation. I feel. Well, uh, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or not, but um, sure, I'll take it. Sure, why not? All right, um, I, I, I'm. I'm just I'm just a background player in in all of this, but we are going to be getting into a, a lot of news today that is uh, coming down. And at the end, of, we will talk a little bit about what is in store for the summer here at Post Wrestling. It, uh, there's certainly going to be no shortage of uh, stuff that we are going to be covering, uh, but we'll cover all of that stuff at the end. Uh, final notice about tonight is the deadline for the G1 Climax contest. PostWrestling.com/G1 free to enter. And you can make your picks in all of the matches throughout the G1. Uh, contrary to popular belief, it's not going to take you hours to do this. It's uh, I think I did this all in about 10, 15 minutes. And you get, you can also do it way shorter and just, man, it's a, it's a, the power's out and you're playing darts and you're just throwing them against the wall and see how you turn out. Might, might be great. Might just nail them by random picks. Just randomly click shit. Like, who cares? You know, you have just as good, good of a chance as anybody else, honestly. You might even score some upsets. So just go to postwrestling.com slash G1, make your picks, and then just get engaged, and you'll get your uh, picks sent, sent to your email. You can follow along with all of us. All right. And we'll go over the G1 con- uh, content that we have coming up later in the show. But let's start off way deep news lineup today. We start off with uh, an interesting story that, that surfaced on Thursday and saw some uh, – Adjustments. I guess there was some confusion uh, behind the scenes regarding this, uh, and this comes courtesy of uh, Andrew Zarian, who initially reported that uh, WWE Raw would be flipping from a TV PG rating to a TV 14 rating effective this Monday. Uh, later on in the day, he updated his story, stating that there was a memo within USA Network that went out uh, on Thursday morning 
regarding Raw changing to TV14 on July 18th. Apparently, that was sent out prematurely, and the day was not finalized. So it looks as though, at least not this Monday, that change is occurring, but this seems to be something, at least on the USA Network side, um, that was far enough along that they drafted a memo and apparently was uh, maybe sent out before it was supposed to. Now, it is worth noting that when it comes to uh, cable television, these, these ratings are very much... It's no different way than you or I stating that this new show is uh, TV14 versus TVPG. I mean, it's really the parameters are set by the company that is producing the content. There is not a third party that is determining this content is that it falls under this guideline or that guideline. It's left to WWE and the move to TVPG in 2008. It was done with the idea of broadening its advertising base and and changing its product it was you know we are years removed from the attitude era at at this point in 2008 and they took um a, a strong initiative to tailor their programming and i think you can look in the last 14 years at the level of advertisers and sponsors they have brought on board that and and different uh deals they had the mattel one being a famous one that you know the that kind of uh, focus was a was a very prudent one for for the company that that you have to look at despite it being a, a very easy talking point for disenfranchised wrestling fans to lament the state of WWE but like this is WWE essentially placing this rating upon themselves and I mean we could also go through many examples over the years of content in this PG era that WWE has presented uh, that you could certainly see was uh, would maybe fall outside the parameters of that but it's the WWE self imposed parameters that we're talking about here. Sure. Yeah. And I think most people at this point, you know, in the discussion are picking up on perhaps um, a bit of cynicism with regards to this sort of announcement, whenever we will see it, um, that not much is going to change. You know, ultimately, it's the same people that are going to be producing it, if anything, um, from what I think, you know, their later attempts in the PG-14 era would indicate. um, I don't necessarily know if it'll be that big of a benefit to the show. You know, when you have the mind of a seven-year-old who just thinks, oh, boy, I can do everything everything I want now. And uh, we don't think we will. We don't think he will. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a very different time uh, with a lot more people for him to, to, to answer for. Um, so I don't think we'll be seeing the days of HLA or anything like that. But um, I don't know. What do you think it, it represents uh, in, in terms of freedom uh, for the performers? Do you think there are any benefits to this? Um, I, I see it being very little. Um, if if anything, I would think, and, and there is you know some uh, some further reporting from uh, Dave Meltzer in today's Observer suggesting that this was more so a USA Network call rather than WWE proposing this. And uh, if that if that's the case, I mean that's that's somewhat interesting to see USA Network looking at it from from that vantage point. But in terms of the content, you're right. Like for those, I I think it is whenever I hear the oh the. The the PG era and how detrimental it's been. I I kind of just scoff at that. I think that's such a it's such an easy um, thesis statement that when you dig into it holds very little um, substance to me. 
is this going to radically change the way they see characters? Is this going to dramatically change like the depth of storytelling, the parameters when it comes to promos, easing on language? To me, that is nothing that is tied to um, how racy we can be versus how conservative we can be in our programming. And I would very much argue that, like, look at some of the stuff we have seen just it comes to like throwing piss in a guy's face, doing, uh, you know, saying shit every now and then on raw like this is all to me it's it's this wide brush and i don't think you really have a distinction of okay tv 14 we're now allowed all of this to do you're not going back to an era where you're throwing out uh women in bikinis and doing those types of segments that would be not just tone deaf i i just think it would be so radically pushed back against to go that direction um could you be more violent sure if you want but again, I, I think you could do all of this now. To me, it's it's very much if you're looking at the if you are an unsatisfied WWE consumer, that's a larger philosophical switch that um, th- this move. It's going to get a lot of attention because of uh, just the, the nature of this being a talking point for people all these years. But uh, to me, it's it's one that I think measure your expectations, because, as you said, it's it's the same figures in place. And this is a this is a Vince McMahon product. And despite all of these controversies, it is still a Vince McMahon product week by week, show by show. But because this is getting some steam in the press, at least, you know, uh, within our little world in our space, um, I could see them using it to their advantage to try to, you know, do something to try to hook viewers potentially for that 10 o'clock hour. I I would announce this like a few weeks before the Mm -hmm. NFL comes back because this will absolutely draw people in just Remember when they, you know, I remember one clear example of them doing this when they announced Bischoff and Heyman named the executive directors. And, you know, I I realized very quickly in all of this, like this is like Vince McMahon is running these shows, folks. It's like they are in these positions, but this is a Vince McMahon show. But there was so much interest attached to just the curiosity. What is a Paul Heyman raw going to look like? Understanding like the dynamic of that. This is Paul Heyman reporting to a Vince McMahon, but that sparked interest. And I think this would do the same. Like if you were to tell me raw on Monday is going to have this new rating and WWE would probably put out a press release, much like they did when they moved to PG, you would definitely have that curiosity. What is this show going to look like? So yes, there would be curiosity for it. I don't know if the findings would match that curiosity, but it would definitely drive interest for at least a week. Well, for that reason, I think they at least have to push the envelope a little bit further than it has been, um, I suppose, you know, where for, for the that week has been at. And that first Heyman Raw, like for, it was a dra- dramatically different Raw that that first week that they did. I'd go as far as to say for the period um, until the ratings start, start, start to not reflect any sort of significant change. You know, much like the way um, they were attempting this countdown clock. For a few weeks until that completely petered out and made absolutely no difference whatsoever. Same with Raw Underground. Same with any of these sort of, you know, several week long experiments that they might have, uh, you know, gimmicks essentially, you know, to, to try to boost the rating. They will promote it and they will try to make a big deal out of it until it's not a big deal anymore. But what would be the examples that you would expect? Like what what would you reasonably be? You can just say flat out that it's got to be a racier Raw. But like what are the specifics that Well, I think it's going to be the things that people are expecting, you know, Maybe a few more uh, shits in there. Oh. Maybe uh, maybe actual shit. Like we're gonna see shit on. Somebody's gonna take a shit on in the ring or something. Or um, 
or blood, you know, very likely. I like I don't know what their stance is on blood, whether or not like PG fourteen will will like because because like ultimately Mattel is who they have to answer to. You know, their sponsors are who they have to answer to. So will be being TV fourteen, you know, change anything about that. But I think if they have the ability to, if they can clear it, I think you know you might get a main event with a guy drawing blood or something. First okay, blood so. match, you know, whatever. So the 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 Twitter synopsis of this conversation is. Renowned reporter Waiting believes that the answer to blood and guts will be WWE's presentation of blood and shit. Piss and shit, vomit. Like, I mean, we've already seen vomit, have we not? What, what was the last vomit we, uh, spot we saw? Wasn't it uh, Rollins vomited after the eye spot. Um, didn't we have a like recent recently, vomit? Recently, there's uh, somebody. Oh, Otis. Uh, Otis. There we go. That, I mean, after that was a week ago. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yes, the top 10 vomit moments on uh, mm. on Raw. Well, there you go. Um, a story to watch. And, and I would say there's, there's, you know, certainly if if the fact that a memo was drafted, I mean, this is this is something that is certainly um, in, in circulation. And we will see if it is uh, actually implemented by WWE and, and moves forward. But it, it will gain uh, immediate interest. But I, 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 I kind of like feel that you have to dial back the expectations that this is uh, going to make a whole difference because I really don't see it. I mean, this is all speculation, but like, do you have any uh, idea why a USA would even care to change raw from TV PG to TV 14? What benefit would it come to them? Um, maybe they just want to r- raise that number. Maybe they just want to create that, that interest. Maybe they are looking at, I mean, this is r- like, Remember, we're we're getting into contract time, and you're you're naturally going to you know have an eye on what what is the other national wrestling company doing on a rival network, and what are they doing that WWE is not? I mean, it, this is pure speculation, but mm-hmm. yes, Raw is Raw is their number one show on cable. The argument would be that if we are doing a a point four four, how do we get that to a point five five? How do we get that to a point six? And it's it's great. You're number one, but if you want an increase, if you feel that your audience reach could be higher, what are the options at your disposal to to raise that that number over time? The other interesting aspect is Fox is not going to go along with this, right? Well, Fox, it's listed. It's it's sports programming on Fox, and like we have seen um, certain ones where um, what was it like? Like they have censored certain words. Like they can't get certain words through. I I don't imagine like this would follow through on Fox. Whereas on the USA Network, Raw is brand that, that is entertainment programming, and Fox it is sports. So it's mm-hmm. it's not like this would just be a, a snap. You of the would fingers. not be able to tell by watching the two shows that there's any sort of distinction across. Uh, what yeah, is and, and again, not- like Fox was the one where they, they did the urine angle, and we did see what was it one of the. <laughs> One of the affiliates that did, did censor that, that. That sentence is just like I, out of context. I just I can't imagine. No, in context, it's ridiculous, too. Oh, yeah. So, yes. <laughs> anyway. But, but, you know, like, are we going to see any sort of further division between, I guess, the content of a Raw versus the content of SmackDown? Ideally, that's that the answer would be yes. You know, maybe on Mondays you get the more risque. Ideally, you see a difference in the 10 o'clock hour compared to the eight to, to, to eight to 10 o'clock hour or say eight and nine, nine o'clock hour. You know, any sort of like leg up you can, I don't know, use to differentiate these five hours of, of monotonous same programming that we have to like, you know, sit through every single uh, month uh, or, or week. But like if there was any sort of distinction for Raw from Fox, 
um, with Raw being the place where you can draw blood. I think that would at least, you know, um, give me some uh, some extra incentive to watch one show over the other or at least, you know, to to pay a bit more extra attention, especially in that 10 o'clock hour. Yeah. Could you could you imagine Roman Reigns uh, being challenged and Brock says, I'm going to take you on one on one and Roman laughs it off on Raw. And then Roman is all frightened, not on Raw in the third hour. (laughs) Where you can, yeah. and Lesnar's packing heat. He's bringing his, uh, his Smith and Wesson down from Saskatchewan. He's going to bring a firearm. Well, I mean, you know, we just saw a chainsaw this week on TV. I mean, this would be next level. The 10 o'clock hour on Raw is going to be like the new hell in a cell. Really. Chainsaw Brock. Put pantyhose over his head. Comes out with the chainsaw. All right. Uh, let, let us move on. And, um, Next story was I was kind of surprised that we got a follow up from Rita Chatterton, who appeared on the Cheap Heat Productions podcast. And she was this is several weeks removed from the New York Magazine piece by Abe Reisman, where Rita Chatterton was interviewed, along with uh, Mario Mancini, who uh, corroborated uh, the story that Chatterton had told about the the alleged incident with Vince McMahon, which actually took place uh, allegedly on this date. July 15th of 1986, I believe, 1986. And in this interview, uh, Rita Chatterton uh, spoke a bit about how she had, she had met Abraham Reisman and talked with him about her referee days and states, uh, at this point, she states, I've chosen not to do anything. Doesn't mean I won't in the future, but at this point, I am not quite sure what I'm doing. So I'm just going to sit back, take my time, think about it and figure it out. If anyone wants to see it, they are more than welcome to read the article. It's New York Magazine. Or if they want to know the rest of the story, I reported this story 30 years ago with Geraldo Rivera on Now It Can Be Told. And that's on YouTube. So they're more than welcome to go and see it there. But as far as I'm concerned at this point right now, today in my life, I'm just not even going there. I'm not going there in my life again. It still hurts. The whole thing still bothers me. So I would really just rather not go there. And when asked if she was surprised about Vince McMahon being back in the headline, she says, no, not at all. I'm surprised it's taken this long, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I, I really take from from this answer and the New York Magazine piece where she did not want to go into the specifics about what went down in the limousine with Vince McMahon that – I mean, this is a very traumatic event uh, for, for, for this woman, but the fact that she is directing everybody uh, to that Geraldo interview where she does go into the, the details, and this is from April of 1992, I mean, it, the, the story is out there, and um, I, was, I was just surprised to see Rita Chatterton contacted because I can imagine, way that there has been plenty of major outlets that have wanted to speak with Rita Chatterton since that article came out, and she does this this podcast interview out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I do wonder, like, you know, if, if I haven't listened to the interview, so I don't know if like other topics were or broached attached to Rita Chatterton that maybe might have convinced her to to do the interview in the first place. Um, but you know, like, it, we didn't get uh, much new information from her here, but other than the the idea that you know, obviously, um, sh- these are still very sensitive um, wounds that she's still suffering from. And uh, it it indicates, you know, her thoughts and feelings about the situation have not at all changed from when she did the Geraldo interview. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one where 
that was a, a common discussion point after last week's uh, follow-up reporting by the Wall Street Journal came. And just when you are talking about what difference the impact would have of a woman going on the record, and we kind of have that with Rita Chatterton here, but it is one that for whatever reason, and it's it, it kind of drives me nuts about trying to figure out like what really connects with people and what there is some kind of distance with. And for this, whether it's 30 years ago or whatnot, it's, it just seems to be like, here is someone that I think incredibly brave that came out when they did and has stuck with her story all these years later. This is one that has just, it, it has not connected in, in that same way. Well, I, I don't know if it was you or Bix or somebody I, I've been listening to over the past couple of weeks mentioning the fact that if these allegations, if her, if she did that interview today, in the midst of all of this Vince McMahon, you know, um, uh, scandal, uh, I guess you can call it, um, you know, what, what that would do to Vince, you know, is it simply the fact that this story has existed out there for 20 plus years now? Um, that, you know, people are not taking it as any sort of actual news and, and, and that it's somehow in their minds, maybe something that has been resolved, even though the answer is no. Um, could it, could it just be, you know, has it, has it been too long, uh, you know, as sad as that is to say for, for a story like this to be more relevant? Yeah. All, all relevant questions. I don't have the answers uh, to them, but it is, you know, it it is one where, like, you take all the different pieces of these stories, and none of it add up to a a pretty picture for for Vince McMahon. And I, and I think it would be it would be foolish to just look at this that yes, we are a week removed from the Wall Street Journal uh, follow up report, and you know we have not seen significant consequences. There is you know the report of Netflix dropping the documentary, which is no small feat, but mm-hmm. the true impact of this is is going to be felt over. Months, if not potentially years, like I, I cannot imagine like Nick Khan's job today, I think is much more difficult than it was 30 days ago when he is sort of your liaison with all of these major uh, broadcasters and media representatives. And you are going out there on behalf of the company and selling the company. And all of this is following you. And these these broadcast partners, it, it's not it, it's it's been stated out el- elsewhere. The fact that we have not seen. You know, people coming out and standing by Vince McMahon either. It's everyone seems to be taking a very hushed and quiet tone to all of this. And maybe they're hoping it blows over. Maybe they want to find out more. Wait till this investigation by the board of directors is completed. But um, it's it's not like there has been um, an army of people standing by Vince McMahon either. And how this is going to affect uh, f- future dealings. And Nick Khan is at the center of that as the person negotiating all of these deals. And what is the perception to that world of Vince McMahon right now? Yeah, it's, it, I think it's a fascinating question because um, we do have bases of, of comparisons, you know, with like public figures going through something like this. But like professional wrestling is just odd in that it, 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 it's it's really its own thing. And public perceptions of figures within professional wrestling, I think, are maybe a lot more complicated or just maybe people are that much more likely to dismiss. Oh, that's a wrestling story, you know, rather than um, taking something like this uh, seriously. Um, I think you also have the added element of the fact that this is, you know, this is what happens when somebody essentially has a monopoly and uh, over an entire industry. And if somebody chooses to do business with a professional wrestling company, they don't have much of a choice but to go through, you know, this person. Um, and, you know, uh, when, when it comes to like a Fox or, or a USA and it's time to renegotiate a deal, I don't necessarily see this being any sort of like 
hindrance on um on on whatever they were set to do uh I, I, you know uh, to i don't think it would cause any sort of detriment to either side um i think they will you know if if this if this is a story that continues to to be uh, in the news with any sort of added elements maybe they will continue to diminish Vince McMahon's presence um but ultimately he's still going to be in charge of everything just won't be public facing as much yeah and and i don't for a second believe any of these you know broadcasters and companies are going to be moral crusaders i think it is more just rather what is what is the detriment to us being in business for versus w with wwe versus the value of it and that's going to be the scale of which they, they they judge this. If they feel that this will be a detriment to our business and Vince McMahon is considered a, a toxic figure, then that m- might affect it. If not, then, yeah, I, I don't think uh, moral judgment is going to be the, the arbiter of their decision making. AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night for the fourth week in a row was number one on cable for the evening with 942,000 viewers and a .32 in the demo. So they did drop 11%. A big drop in 18 to 34, down 32% from last week. And it was uh, in the 18 to 49 demo, uh, a larger decrease among women than it was men, just over 20% down among women, 18 to 49, uh, while their older viewership, uh, 35 to 49 and 50 plus, were both up 4 and 5% respectively. So they finished number one on cable. And um, I, I guess you can look, though, like week to week, this. Uh, fighter fest it did not spike their numbers but did maintain their position on cable hmm yeah interesting um i mean are we looking at any sort of significant competition that might account for the, the slight dip or um is it just a show or is it a comparison of maybe pre- prior week interest in prior weeks of course we had um blood and guts we had you know um what else what else was what was last week that was so big Last week was just um, – did, did anything stand out in, in a big way from last <laughs> Dude, week? I show? don't remember what happened like this week, so I'm sorry. I'm the wrong person to ask. I mean th- this it, it does tell you like the Fighter Fest branding as like a big show. I mean that alone did not uh, lead to any big jump. Uh, in terms of competition, mm-hmm. I mean uh, th- there is a bit more like news coverage right now of the January 6th hearings, but nothing that I would classify as um, – gigantic in terms of, of a of a hindrance for for AEW. I guess next week will be notable because I would say, you know, you did have two title matches to promote this week. You had the Young Bucks and John Moxley wrestling. Next week is more of a spectacle with its barbed wire match that seems more attraction driven than anything on this week's show. And uh, that that to me means a whole lot more than branding something fighter fest. I mean, NXT has benefited from these branded shows, but I, I don't think this would be a case of fighter fest making a whole lot of difference of as opposed to just a regular d- dynamite branding. Which is why I thought it so odd that they decided to go with the week one, week two um, gimmick with this particular brand of of all of them. You know, hard. I I just I don't don't know if it has that amount of cachet to like spread across four different shows. Um, I guess we're going to find out because tonight is um, part two of four. When it comes part to- two of four. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I was curious uh, enough to, to, to look this up. Like last week we had we had John Moxley and Brody King as the big match and then Wardlow winning the uh, the TNT title. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you had title matches, but I wouldn't say anything that was um, high on, on the marquee. I think it was a relative cold challenger for John Moxley, but Moxley wrestling nonetheless in the main event as you had him uh, in the middle of the show this week. We continue on, and next we will be uh, – Eric Bischoff has announced that he will be writing his second 
autobiography. It is set to come out later this year in November, and he is working alongside Guy Evans, who's the author of Nitro, uh, which is a fantastic book. And uh, he has put up a description. The book is going to be called Grateful, and it's available for pre-order now. Um, I'm just looking at this. The pre-order for the hardcover book is $73 Canadian, and then the paperback, uh, 47 So. That would do, I, I would be interested to hear from people, especially that have been in the uh, specific like wrestling book business of just uh, like this to me, just my impression would be you're not looking at high volume sales, but of the audience that will be interested in this, they are very willing to spend this amount. And this is like it's catering it to Eric Bischoff's audience that will look at a $73 price tag and think that that is uh, great. But that's it's an incredible amount. And that's. That's like all books when you see like the prices for like physical books at this point of where it is that are they're they, just are they seventy three dollars seventy three like, is certainly on the high end I, I I know art books like photography books and and coffee table books can 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 go up that high but is this going to be a coffee table book like is it going to is it going to be giant is it like I I need to know like seventy three but I mean maybe maybe a pre order has other perks attached to it or something or maybe just the yeah they're 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 adding I think uh, bonus material and stuff they did put up a description of the book that it, it it sounds like it's going to be as much about wrestling as it is kind of like a personal journey book for Eric Bischoff but including in it he would be talking about you know his his run in TNA which uh, could be interesting um you know okay here 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 it makes sense I'm sorry to cut you off but uh, special bonus material. Pre-ordered books will be signed by both authors, U.S. only at this time for a limited time. So, I mean, some some extra justification there. Um, do you think there's a large interest for a second Eric Bischoff book, especially books in general? Way in the era where there are so many wrestling podcasts out there, is there the same demand for a book? Is there something different about a book that's attractive versus um, a, a podcast for these types of stories? I think the answer is yes, but first let me clarify. We mentioned seventy three dollars. That's Canadian. Yeah, I said Canadian. Yes. Oh, you did. So sorry. Thank you. Fifty three, fifty four ninety five USD for the for the hardcover. Thirty four ninety five for the USD paperback. Okay. Um, I think the answer is yes. You know, when you look at the success of the John Moxley book and, and the amount of buzz that I, I think that's re- uh, achieved, uh, as a, as an example, if there are figures that people are interested in and if the quality and the reviews coming off of it are positive. Um, you can get far more in depth and you can know a person way better through a book than you can through any other medium. So I think there is still interest. Yeah. I think this one, um, I think a big selling feature is Guy Evans. I think like he did an unbelievable job with the Nitro book. And I I think that's what you're looking upon here because I I think with Eric Bischoff, like there are going to be ones that, I mean, they, um, you know, there are listeners of his that, that will consume everything with Eric Bischoff. And there's others that I just don't think are, take all that seriously. So you're, you're hoping to bridge some of that gap, I think with a, with a project like this. So that will be out uh, later this year. They're listing a release date for November the 11th. Okay. Uh, moving on to this coming weekend, we have the G1 kicking off on Saturday and Sunday. And I quickly just wanted to go through uh, some of the matches that we have coming up. So Saturday morning, 4 a.m. Eastern time, Way might be watching this live. Uh, that is to be determined. Hmm. We have, Kazuchika Okada against Jeff Cobb, Jay White against Sonata, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Aaron Hanare, and Will Ospreay against El Fantasmo. Then on Sunday at 1 a.m. Eastern Time, early Sunday, late Saturday night, Toru Yano against Jonah, Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi, Kenta against Zack Sabre Jr., and Shingo Takagi against Juice Robinson. So um, 
I, I would say for the first night, I think the big upset is Jeff Cobb beating Okada. And uh, the rest of this, I guess, do you see any other upsets on the first night? Jay White against Sonata, Tanahashi against Hanare, and Osprey against El Fantasma. Upsets. Okay. Um, upsets. Hmm. I guess Jay White losing, Will Ospreay losing, or Tanahashi losing. I would say those would be your your expected favorites in those matches. Yeah, um, I don't see Tanahashi losing uh, right away. Um, I mean, Jeff Cobb beating Okada, I think it's very possible. It's already happened once, and uh, I I think to you know, and, and was Okada the basis off. of Cobb's promo at the press conference was avenging that loss in the G one last year to beat him. So I, I I see that as a high probability of Cobb winning on the first night. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a little high up on Juice Robinson. I, I don't I don't discount the fact that he could beat uh, Shingo Takagi here, um, because you know he he they're both champions. But you know, uh, Juice I think is in need of something big. Um, would would any of these other ones be classified as as upsets? You know, like mm, any, y- Yano, Yano can, beating Jonah. Um, I Yano think, beats I, everybody though. Yano I guess. Beat anyone. I guess I, I don't see them beating Jonah, especially on his his like first G1. Um, also, it's worth noting, like when you're going from nine matches to six, like you do have less wiggle room to do like a lot of upsets where someone has to do the big comeback at the end of the tournament. Like you can mm-hmm. only afford so many of those. So it, I think it does kind of limit those kind of surprise finishes when, you know, you want the big players alive at the end. True. Yeah. But, um, you know, I can see Tai Chi beating Tomohiro Ishii. Of course, not that that would be an upset. It would only be significant because it would indicate that Tai Chi will be going on his stream on YouTube afterwards where he intends to collect uh, tons and tons of super chats, which is the man's new gimmick. I think the best gimmick heading into this G1 thus far. Tai Chi aiming, uh, really focusing on his YouTube career above being in the G1. Yeah, I, I think I think you were one of the early adopters of Tai Chi, and I think begrudgingly I have I have got onto the bandwagon of the, this man. I think this is uh, tremendous uh, as he's going after YouTube super chats to drive revenue for the company. I'm not joking, everybody. Like that that like read this interview that's up at njpw1972.com right now. He just basically like he's all about super chatting. It's like part of his heel gimmick or babyface gimmick, I should say, because we always appreciate super chats. Yes, of course. Uh, so those are the first two nights. Again, uh, Waiting will be hosting two G1 shows this weekend. Saturday, he will be joined by Karen Peterson. And then Sunday, WH Park joining Waiting. Fresh off uh, a well-received, a tremendous season finale of Ms. Marvel uh, featuring post-wrestling's Avengers. Waiting, WH Park, Nate Milton, and Ahmad Butt that you can catch uh, all of these shows. The Ms. Marvel finale and all of our G1 podcasts available for Post Wrestling Cafe members at postwrestlingcafe.com. Yeah, I have to say this is one of the most fun podcasts I've I've been I've done uh, in a long time. As I mean, as fun as as it is recording with you, John. I mean, it's always it has its to, limits. It, it, it's always fun to, as I'm sure you will agree, to to break off into talking about some other things with some of our other uh, post wrestling friends and we just happen to have a lot of people in the post wrestling community that are big fans of the Marvel universe and I got to talk to Nate Ahmad and WH and a lot of other people, including John Ceno, John Ceno's son, Hansi called in here, you know, like, yeah, Muggin called in and then just a lot of great feedback because of this show just happens to like facilitate so much interesting discussion with people from a Pakistani background or, or, or just, you know, uh, people who just kind of see themselves in, in, in this character. So 
Uh, we went two hours. The first hour is the review. Second hour is the entirely feedback. So go and check that out right now. Another note, while we're talking about the Postmaster Cafe, Death Before Dishonor. We will be putting that up on the cafe. It'll be me and Kate from Montreal talking about that show next Saturday, July the 23rd, in the midst of the G1. So uh, we will be giving that review exclusively for Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. And we'll probably do it live as well. So look for that next week as well. Very exciting stuff. So uh, G1 podcasts. Rewind to SmackDown, Death Before Dishonor, all of that coming your way for the remainder of the month at postwrestlingcafe.com. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, we are not raising our price of the Post Wrestling Cafe by 43% uh, later this month. But... Disney is doing that for ESPN Plus uh, from Bloomberg. They're reporting that ESPN will raise the price of its streaming service by 43% next month, betting that it can help cover the escalating cost of sports rights without losing subscribers who are grappling with soaring inflation. Starting August 23rd, the cost of an ESPN Plus subscription subscription will jump to $9.99 a month from $6.99 or to $99.99 a year up from $69.99. ESPN says the price increase reflects the growing amount of live sports and original programming on the streaming service. Uh, I'm imagining there's a there, there's a hidden off the record quote saying, hey, these F1 rights don't pay, pay for themselves, folks. We're going from 5 million to 75 to 90. So it's all on you. You want these rights? You're footing the bill for them. So, man, the this is an interesting one, and it specifically affects um, UFC consumers that, I mean, that is part of the genius and the peril of, um, you know, ESPN and UFC and its and its fans is that you have to subscribe to the service for the right to buy their pay-per-views. So this is, this is just the get-in-the-door fee. You want to go to the bar and consume the drinks? That's That's above and beyond. This just gets you in the door. I'm honestly amazed that it's worked as well for them as it has. Cause like when I initially heard about that concept, I, I thought it was ridiculous paying to get in and then paying extra to get into like a VIP room inside the club that you've already paid for. That's nuts to me. But you know, when it comes to pay-per-view, I suppose people are just that used, used to it. And when it comes to the UFC specifically, if it's a f- in boxing, if it's a fight, people want to see, like they're willing to pay what they're willing to jump through whatever hurdles. I mean, professional wrestling, I don't know if, if it always like has that same loyalty or at least like demand, uh, at least not as much on a consistent basis, I would say. But I mean, it sort of is the magic of pay-per-view. But yeah, these price increases, you know, they're coming. Everything, go- everything's going up in price, you know, um, they're, they, they could justify it somehow. But like everything's going up in price, but, but especially these sort of services, the, the like Disney, you can Disney Plus, you can argue was underpriced when they initially launched. Um, just as a way to, of course, acquire viewers or, or, or subscribers. And then once they're in, you jack it up. Yeah, I, I see this one being some more resistance just in that, like we've seen the increase of 
of the UFC pay-per-views, which is something that if you're an ESPN Plus subscriber, you can still pick and choose which pay-per-views you're buying. This is your monthly fee just for the service. So it, mm-hmm. it's one where, you know, a $3 increase, uh, it adds up for people that only have so much disposable income every month for these services. And I guess it makes you... I, I would imagine for the large percentage of people that even if you're just buying a handful of pay-per-views a year, you're not going to drop the service and you just eat the increase. And they're banking on the fact there will be enough of that mindset versus people that are going to have the sticker shock of this increase and eliminate the service altogether. It could be a case of them like, you know, wanting to do it anyway. There's no good time to announce a price increase. So why not eat it now rather than in the future when things are in- inevitably going to be even more expensive? You know, you and I essentially run a subscription service with the Post Wrestling Cafe, and and we're, we go through the, some of the same discussions all the time. We have not raised our price at all, uh, you know, throughout our five years of existence. And, and people will revolt. Yeah, but it's like it, 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 it's tough times for a lot of people right now, and um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to maybe decide to get rid of ESPN Plus. But I would say the vast majority, if they want to get their sports, if they want to get their UFC, they're going to eat it. All right, tonight we have SmackDown and Rampage. SmackDown is in Orlando with a championship. This is what they've announced, okay? We will see what is uh, on the show tonight. A championship contenders match between Liv Morgan and Natalia, and Madcap Moss taking on Theory, as well as Dawkins taking on Jimmy... Dawkins battles Jimmy Uso as the special guest referee is set to be revealed for the SummerSlam tag team title match. As you can tell, I'm reading this for the very first time tonight. Um, that's a mouthful. So they will have a singles match, and then separate from the match, this referee will be decided upon for tonight, which uh, I took from last week's episode that that's probably Drew McIntyre to tie him in with the bloodline, but I guess we'll see tonight. Because I don't know what role Drew has at SummerSlam if not for this referee role. Unless I guess they do him and Sheamus at SummerSlam for the uh, the spot in Wales. I think it should be Butch. I think it should be the dog. You know, okay. will he even does he even know how to count? This guy, you know, he's he just gonna run around. And does just, he get on all yeah. fours and like count with his like his hind leg? How would a dog count? I don't know. This is a question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen enough of these, you know, Street Profits versus these Usos in uh, various combinations of matches. So I think that'll be nice. And no, but this is this is Dawkins and Jimmy, though. You are you telling me I haven't seen this before? Because I, <laughs> I don't tell you, I feel like I, I'm I've sure seen you it have. 50 times. OK, in the last month alone, um, you know, Liv Morgan versus Natalia. Of course, Natalia earned her title uh, contendership opportunity <laughs> after losing, being completely eviscerated by a. Uh, by a woman with a bad knee in two minutes, yes. This is put her in position to get a rematch for the title if she wins tonight. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. If she loses, I mean, I think she should just get the title right away. You know, that's how you get your victories around here. But, of course, you know, they are also the subject of some controversy from the house show over the weekend. I mean, I doubt that they'll make any sort of reference to it, but it will be interesting to see them. How Natalia reacts when she takes the oblivion this time around on national TV. Uh, but beyond that, it's just, I mean, it's SmackDown. All right, cool. Rampage follows it at 10 Eastern on TNT. We'll have John Silver and Alex Reynolds against Malachi Black and Brody King. Jonathan Gresham defending the ROH Championship against Lee Moriarty. Athena and Chris Statlander against uh, Charlotte and Robin Renegade. The Lucha Brothers taking on Private Party. And the Guns will explain why they turned on the acclaimed. Mm, All right. Cool. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Private Party versus the Lucha Brothers. That should be a good match. As you see, Andrade is still pictured here. So he's, uh, a, a, the AFO still very much intact. Um, 
I don't know, man. Private Party have really cooled off, you know, over like the past couple of years, I feel. So this might be a chance for, the, for them to gain a little bit of buzz. I certainly don't see them winning, however. Um, House of Black versus Reynolds and Silver, that should be good. And Gresham versus Moriarty. I mean, we're, we're a week out from, you know, Death Before Dishonor. So this is really, you know, they're like these. And Rampage, as we've seen, is sort of like the show where they put most most of that content. So, um Yes. Well, I, I think by by the end of the show, I think we will have our our direction for Death Before Dishonor. But um, this, I have to say, it, it looks like like this is kind of the formula of Rampage. This looks like a very good sixty minute wrestling show, uh, but one that I, I cannot imagine going above and beyond sort of what numbers Rampage has been doing since the playoffs ended. Like this just feels like a very yeah. standard Rampage that is you're not changing your plans to watch. But but let's not, also not forget this is very much a depleted roster right now. And you know you save all your stars for the big show, um, and, and who yeah, else? That, and and that, that's a fine um, decision to make, but I, I think it's also it, it is worth uh, like bringing up like this experiment of putting Jim Ross onto Rampage, uh, and he spoke hmm. about it a bit on his podcast this week. But I would imagine like if you are someone that's just watching Dynamite, and the idea is putting Jim Ross on Rampage is going to give a spark to Rampage. I don't even think they have mentioned the fact like, would you even know Jim Ross has been on Rampage these last few weeks? I don't mm. ever hear them promote that. And if you're not like really digging for that kind of news and you're just a dynamite watcher because Rampage is a missable show for you, like this experiment, I, I think you do have to kind of alert people to that. If if your working idea is that Jim Ross being on that show is going to bring more attention to it. Right. Um yeah, yeah. I, I mean, how would you suggest they do that? Like, just via um, ad or, or something? Like, because they do the theme song entrance in the middle of Dynamite. You, you know what you do? You know what you do? Jim Ross has to do the rundown for Rampage instead of Excalibur at the end of Dynamite. I shudder, um, unfortunately, to, to say, to, to, to think how that would go. Wow. I don't think there are many people who can do what Excalibur does. I think there's one. And his and he's the one doing it. That's that's yeah. probably about it. I would I would love to see uh, others others attempt it, but it's uh, no easy task. All right, and we're live tonight, eleven Eastern, right after Rampage for Post Wrestling Cafe members. So tune in live tonight. We'll have reviews of those two shows. Any other news that breaks between now and then, we'll discuss and open it up to your phone calls as we go into the start of the G One climax. But we were going to end the show um, by just giving an update on uh, what we are doing. As we mentioned, this is the season finale of the post-daily news show. We are not calling it the end of the post-daily news show. But one of the reasons is because uh, over this next month, uh, several things are going to happen. The G1 Climax is going to go down. We are going to be continuing with all of our regular shows with Rewind to Raw, Dynamite, SmackDown. Uh, We're also going to be... Probably filling in the gaps when there's major news. We will probably do breaking news shows every now and then. Um, but most of all, Waiting is going to have a baby over the next month. So he is going to be taking a much, a much deserved, uh, vacation, uh, which is not really going to be a vacation, but nonetheless, uh, away from us for a few weeks. And then we are going to reassess where our lives are by the end of the summer of what our fall schedule is going to look like. Is that a, a good description? I think that's a, a real, really good description. And of course, like anytime we announce like some sort of change to the schedule, there's it's going to be met with a lot of disappointment. Believe me, everybody. First of all, when we started the Post Daily News, it was set to be like a one month experiment at most, John. Like, because I think when faced with the idea of having to try to do this every single day, like again, everybody, the G1 is like usually our marathon 
of the year where we like, you know, are completely exhausted. And that's us recording like, you know, several more times a week. And of course, that takes a lot more research than, you know, just even a new show. But this takes a lot of work, too. And and I mean, I've had to do it several times, John, where like, you know, I have to uh, grab these stories and prepare, um, you know, little scripts in there. I don't know how you do it as consistent as you do on top of all your other duties that are on the website. Do you guys know how much how many words John writes on the website every single day like that on top of this? And, and you know, uh, and of course, there's a lot of editing and uploading and graphics work that goes into it as well. We love doing it. I love doing it. I love interacting with the chat room uh, or at least seeing the interactions every single day. But something at, at some point has to give. And, you know, with G1 season coming up and me having a baby, this felt like a good time to at least put a pause on it. We will come back uh, and reassess how it fits into our schedule. And maybe in that time, too, we'll find other people that that might be capable eventually at some point of, you know, uh, helping us with these things. But that's just kind of where we're at. Yeah, I look, I want to use this month to be as productive as possible while at the same time assessing what is what is the best means it's like I, I don't want to be in this kind of formula where it's just the task is getting everything done. It's mm-hmm. it, it is pretty daunting every week where we're trying to do all of this, and I'm always assessing like, am I am I putting out my best work possible when I'm spreading myself across all of this? Like, I don't want to shortchange any of these things. I want to have uh, the the best product possible. And sometimes when you're doing all of this, it just becomes a, a matter of finishing it and just trying to meet that deadline as opposed to putting everything forward. And it's, it it is a lot with this. I realized when way went on, um, when you went to San Diego a few months back and just doing that for two weeks, I realized I, I could not have maintained this on top of G1 for a month. Like there is absolutely no way that that could have been Mm -hmm. done. So we, we had to make that decision. Like what is the priority? And frankly, to uh, keep, keep this going on a, on a weekly basis, like, the, the the cafe is kind of our lifeblood of this. So that is going to be the priority. And it also gives us like a natural break to really assess what is the best schedule for you, the listeners as well, to get the best out of us as well. And we're very much listening to whatever feedback you have, constructive criticisms uh, people have. And I know that this is a part of people's daily routine and it's just finding what is going to be the best balance for for us and that works for the most amount of people knowing not everyone will be satisfied with whatever we decide mm-hmm. yeah and and you know again like um maybe the solution to that is to like get outside people other than the two of us to be involved with something like this uh we have an incredible network of people of course but i think to to do some of this work specifically, especially like what John and Andrew do in, in the journalism aspect of it all, it, it it requires like a lot more time, you know, to, to, to build perhaps that level of trust, to, to know what people are comfortable doing, to know what time, how much time other people have outside of their day jobs to even offer. Um, so maybe these are all kind of answers we have to kind of figure out. But right now it's it's a little too reliant on, I think, just the two of us and, you know, with so many other things in our own personal lives. Uh, we're just going to scale back a little bit. And hopefully, hopefully that would have the added benefit of like putting a bit more focus on some of these other things that we've been doing that sometimes we feel just kind of gets lost in the yeah. shuffle. You know? Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, I also just want to take a minute to thank a lot of the, the regular contributors we've had on mm-hmm. this daily news show, people that um, just out of, you know, sheer kindness have dropped things at a moment's notice to join us. Brandon Thurston, Kate from Montreal, 
David Bixenspan. I mean, so many people from our network, from Nate Milton to Andrew Thompson. Karen. Uh, Karen Peterson, of course, uh, a regular uh, here, here on the show. I mean, these people are just uh, volunteering their time to jump on with us. And um, I, I can't thank those people enough for just how um, willing they've been to just join us. Um, because I, I always like to have other voices on here, and and sometimes you know just at a moment's notice something would break, and we could get someone on. And the people that are always here in the chat rooms, like um, it's you know even though I, I don't I can't respond because I'm doing the show, I'm I read almost everything. Okay, so like it, it's it's just so much fun to kind of see like you know like the 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 liveliness of of like right now we got like like 150 people watching us. And um, that that's just like incredibly cool to see. So again, I hope to see some of that same interaction for the shows that we will be continuing to do, including Rewind to Raw, Rewind to uh, SmackDown, and uh, of course on Fridays on the uh, Post Wrestling Cafe, Rewind to SmackDown. So um, please bring that same energy and uh, continue this this level of community. Uh, well, speaking of which, Jake from the Windy City is one of those people that is always there. Hello to you, Jake. He will be the subject of this weekend's Postmarks with David and Bruce. That'll be up available at the Post Wrestling Cafe, and it'll actually be free. So just go to postwrestlingcafe.com sometime Saturday. You'll find that show. Okay. Um, is that all? Uh, the charity stream, the 24-hour charity stream is happening this Saturday. Martin, Benno, 24 hours. And when are you going to be on? I'm going to be on 7 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. Um, so you can find their full schedule at Bushby01 on Twitter. Uh, I believe, again, bwelivestream.mixler.com is where you can find the show. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, above all, please be safe, guys. You know, like, I know this is all kind of fun to, to like, joke about and, and whatnot. But, I mean... Take care of your health, first and foremost. And you have to take breaks. I'm sure there will be plenty of people. I, I have never heard that warning before a podcast before, but a pertinent one here. So let's all, uh, guys, it's, it's, uh, I was going to say it's, it's not a race, it's a marathon. Uh, that is exactly what it is. So pace yourselves and we wish the best for Martin, Benno, and company. BWE livestream.mixler.com. Hey, let's get out of here. What better way to end the post daily news than? with your super chats all right as i mentioned here jake from the windy city thank you both for this show the past few months thank you jake for the uh, support he also says work smarter not harder cheers fellas thank you jake again uh post marks this weekend greg mclean sends ten dollars and says thoughts on sasha banks not being able to do anything wrestling related until january 1st 2023 p.s gonna miss the daily news update all the best to you way in becoming a new father thanks greg for the uh, support and the question um, so the Sasha story, like, what, what do you know about it? So I mean, far? just that, you know, she's, she's doing the C2E2 convention in a, in a couple of weeks time. And, you know, the, the, the report was out there about her being let go, but has not been confirmed by the company as of yet. But I mean, certainly like you're, you're starting to see her take now, um, outside appearances. So I, I think certainly you're, you're looking at the potential of her uh, be, being free and clear of uh, WWE. So uh, time will tell, like I can't confirm that she has been gone, but beyond that, that report that is out there. Yeah. It's incredibly odd how, like how long we've had to wait for this, you know, confirmation of whether or not she's actually not a part of the company. And I mean, at this point, you know, I suppose anything can happen still, you know, I'm, I'm sure the sides might still want to, 
somebody might still want to make up with the other. Um, but no, nothing wrestling related until January 2023. I mean, it's fine. You know, like the, the, the year goes by just like that. And, you know, if it's AEW, if it's another, prom- I mean, if it's AEW, they ha- there's there's no shortage of, I think, you know, things for them to fill yeah. their, their. And just to uh, to clarify from uh, from Sean Ross Sapp's report about this was um, in speaking with uh, one of uh, speaking with a promoter, uh, Fightful reported one of which confirmed to us that Mercedes team let them know that she wasn't taking pro wrestling related signings until January 1st, 2023. So. I mean, you, you would venture to guess that is um, something that they they cannot do until that date. But um, yeah, not nothing uh, beyond that. All right, we got a Rory. I I, I think we got to give Rory a special award for maybe being a. You know, I, I think you could take his super chats and he could put out his his own book for hardcover and paperback release. Rory sends eight dollars Australian. Thank you as always for the support, Rory. He says I'm super pumped for the G1. As for the TV fourteen thing, if it does happen, nothing will change. I can see it being super cringe. Guys, gonna miss these, but love you. Yes, super pumped, super cringe, all in a super chat from Rory. Thank you for the support, Rory. Thanks for the comment. Uh, we go to Asher. Asher, welcome back, Asher. Uh, he says Mazel Tov way. I will miss you guys, but not really. Yes, Asher, we you will hear plenty of us, especially next week on the uh, wellness policy, which I hope you to, to see you at. Thank you for the eighteen dollars super chat and the constant comments. I read all of those too. Uh, we got an Aaron Bowman who sends twenty dollars. Thank you, Aaron, for the support. He says, "Just wanted to say good luck, Big Daddy Way. Kids are fun and expensive, so here's a dub from the nasty natty. Hashtag who they? Hashtag Team Ferrari. <laughs> all right." I have no idea what like two of those last three things mean. Um, no, I'm sure someone will argue. You. Yes, who day? It's got to be a sports thing. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, and lastly, let's go to Chris from LA, the professor himself, who sends ten dollars just to say, "Hey guys, I love supporting when time permits. I love being a postmark." Chris Ely, thank you, Chris. We love having you uh, be attached to us. I believe Chris has a recent article that's up right now on a. Uh, WrestleNomics.com, yes. actually. Yes, he does. He's been a, a regular contributor now over at WrestleNomics. So you can go read his uh, his latest uh, feature up there on the WrestleNomics site. All right. So that will bring a close to the show. We are back tonight. Once again, 11 Eastern G1 last shows. Thing, last thing before we get out here. I want to thank Dickie Bird for the incredible animation that we open and close the show with every uh, every single time. Again, we will be back for breaking news. We will continue to, to use these, and I hope to see a lot more of Dickie Bird, uh, his presence on the site as well. But I, sorry, I would have been really sad if I missed thanking Dickie. All right. Thank you very much to, uh, to Dickie Bird. So rewind to SmackDown, G1 Climax podcast this weekend, new edition of Postmarks on Saturday, and WrestleNomics on Sunday with Brandon Thurston and Chris Gullo. So lots of stuff to look out for this weekend, both at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, thank you, as always, to Wei Ting and all of you for tuning in. And this concludes the Post Daily News Show.